0: Breitbart News and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. We begin today's show with new revelations on how Joe Biden won the 2020 race before we assess the state of play as he gets ready to announce for 2024. Robert F. Kennedy has been added to the Democrat field. He's a compelling addition as a candidate. I explain why, but will the media ignore him? That's the big question. The Bud Light executive behind the Dylan Mulvaney fiasco is now on leave Twitter has solved a big problem with perhaps an even bigger problem, and we now have a new standard for beauty in America. All this gets touched on in the opening. Before we speak to Rhonda McDaniel, who is the RNC chair, and I get her thoughts on the steps Republicans need to take to prepare for 2024, and I also ask her if Republicans are going to have to debate in front of the establishment media during the primary, and she pretty much says yes, and she gives a fairly decent reason why i will say that but also uh it is noteworthy that still we cannot shake this uh, reality that the republicans still want to uh debate for the msm all right let's get into it now (laughs) with joe biden content uh, the white house has actually been accused and this is i believe credibly because it's come straight from uh, the house judiciary that the secretary anthony blinken when he was a consultant working for joe biden's campaign uh, reached out to the cia and told them that they were under the impression that the laptop from hell was russian disinformation and that the cia should do something about it and the cia subsequently reached out to social media outlets and those outlets did censor the uh, the document or the reporting on it the new york post in particular which broke the story our own emma joe morris now breitbart broke the story when she's the new york post and uh, this was what was touted um I had already mentioned in whenever I get a chance to talk about it about how one of the fakest news uh, uh, one of the one of the fakest news items going into the 2020 election was specifically this letter that uh, 50 past or present intelligence officials believed that the laptop from hell was a Russian disinformation effort now. This was published in Politico by a woman named Natasha Bertrand, who has since failed upwards and now worked at CNN. And uh, I mentioned this is maybe the fakest news item of the 2020 election. Now, there's a lot of competition. I wrote an entire book on the subject it's called Breaking the News. Still relevant in many ways, more relevant. So hopefully uh, some of you are inspired to check it out because it does come up again in the monologue uh, today. I will bring that up. Again, uh, but this was something that I decided and said that this was clearly fake. But what we didn't know until recently was that it wasn't just uh, one of these conspiracies where the left all gets dialed in on the same page and mixing metaphors there. It's never a good move. Um, but everyone on, gets on the same page. And, hey, we're going to go with the Russian disinfo here. Uh, Joe Biden himself, I think was in the second presidential debate, even said that uh, fifty intelligence folks believe that what you accused me of doing is actually Russian disinformation. Well, it, it clearly wasn't. Anyone who's was paying attention knew it wasn't. But it was enough to get the muzzle velocity of the story greatly reduced by the fact that it was censored from Twitter and other social media. Um, and because of that, because that took place, it definitely, I think, helped Joe Biden. I don't know if it was the difference maker in the election, but certainly... According to the famous news, uh, um, uh, the the Media Research Center survey that showed that if voters had full information about all the various key issues in the race, then they would have voted much more so for Trump than they already did. Again, I break this down in the book if any of you care to to uh, pick it up, but it's basically if voters had full information about all the stuff that conservative talk radio was talking about in a nutshell then they would have not uh, at least they would have many of them would have stayed home as opposed to voting for biden and you know in conservative talk radio we were pointing out how ridiculous it is that uh, russia is not that sophisticated first of all they're not that great at this stuff uh and a look they can barely defeat ukraine and uh which they're not even doing now and we're supposed to believe that they had somehow pulled off the greatest hoax in modern presidential policy politics by taking a physical laptop as all the hallmarks of being Hunter Biden's and they're able to just fabricate it and to get mainstream outlets to publish it and to get most of the world talking about it right in time for the election to get Trump elected over Biden so it was all ridiculous from the start especially considering that um, uh, the, the how we knew that the claims about Russian collusion in the 2016 election with Donald Trump to rig the election was false from the Mueller report. Uh, We all knew this was going to be bogus, but we didn't know exactly how the CIA played this huge role in it, Mike Morrell in particular testifying that it was Blinken that uh, was a Biden advisor at the time, reached out and said, boom, Russian disinfo, that's what it is, shut it down. So uh, most of the media outlets didn't confirm the contents of the laptop for a year or two years, but that didn't stop them from shutting down the story and writing that it was considered Russian disinfo and slowing all the momentum that it would have given uh, the that it would have given Trump to know all the horrible things that were on the laptop from hell. So. That is um, uh, CIA director, or former acting director, Mike Morrell, testified that he had no intention of, uh, of of addressing the issue to going to social media and saying, hey, this could be Russian disinfo until Blinken called from the Biden campaign and said, we think this is Russian disinfo. So it was a letter signed by 51 former officials pushed by Politico the reporter who published the fake news since gotten promoted in a more high-profile job at CNN, even though it was pure fake. Fake news was never confirmed. Just being the stenographer for the Biden, uh, it, literally the Biden campaign is what Politico was doing here, specifically the great Natasha Bertrand. And um, this is, this uh, the, he could have perhaps altered the whole world with this move. So do you ever begrudgingly give Biden credit for this, like how it's just in and give the left credit that they work this well? All Tony Blinken's got to make a call directly to the CIA saying, hey, can we uh, shut this thing down? Russian disinfo. What's your evidence? Ah, we don't got any. Can you still make the call? Sure, I'll make it. So Facebook also censored it as well. So let's not forget it wasn't just Twitter that was so bad on it. Um, Just weeks before the election. And one the, the keys here is not just the horrible stuff Hunter did, was that, you know, 10% for the big guy, that Joe Biden was getting cut in on uh, Hunter's deals. So, and a, any of you who know much about Biden, and I know way more than most, maybe more than any person should, uh, that he's always been terrible with money and he's always been scheming to try to get cut in on deals. And he's never good at it, he's always been bad at it since he was very young kind of adds up with how he's managed the budget of this country very poor so all that adds up so the white house has needless to say been deflecting accusations that their campaign orchestrated this fake letter to discredit this very real laptop so uh, we will have that to look forward to keep an eye on that for see what will happen but we all know that almost nothing will be happen. well almost nothing will happen um, there is a probe into Hunter Biden's tax records which are allegedly not above board and a whistleblower has come out previously uh, the, a, there's a whistleblower according to the IRS who misled Congress about the DOJ's probe into Hunter Biden and that whistleblower is apparently Merrick Garland according to a report. There's stunning stuff. So let me read you this from Wendell Husebo from our, for us at Breitbart. Attorney General Merrick Garland is the previously unidentified official who, according to an IRS whistleblower, misled Congress about the Justice Department's probe in Hunter Biden. Okay, I'm sorry. So he's not the whistleblower himself. Whistleblower said, Garland is the one who's slow walking the probe. Misleading people. Garland refused to name a special counsel in Hunter's tax investigation to provide a degree of separation between Joe Biden and his DOJ. Garland repeatedly testified before the Congress that U.S. Attorney David Weiss has the full authority to make a criminal referral against Hunter without the permission of the Justice Department, and Garland noted he would personally have to, he would personally have to authorize any charges. But the whistleblower believes Garland's has misled Congress. And the IRS uh, agent's attorney explained that his client can, quote, contradict sworn testimony to Congress by a senior political appointee, close quote. And this senior employee is Garland. So this investigation goes back to 2019 um, by a Trump-appointed U.S. attorney in Delaware. This so also is the one where they're looking at his tax records and the, the gun violation, the famous one, where uh, Bo Biden's ex-wife threw it out in a garbage can. And then they were able to track down the gun. All totally nutty stuff. No charges have been levied, even though clear violations took place. It's just noteworthy when you think about how many of you are going to get harassed for your taxes this year with 87,000 new agents um, and how quickly they put away the January 6th protesters. It just seems like there's a rule in this country that if you're a real threat, you are ignored. But if you're Donald Trump, you got to get a you know a f- a fingerprint and handcuffed, figuratively speaking, since that didn't literally happen for whatever reason. Uh, Miranda Devine, who wrote a lot of the columns commentary around the laptop from hell as it was breaking, um, working with Emma Jo on that at the New York Post, had a story over the weekend that Hunter may be living at the White House to evade legal papers from his baby mama. Recall that he impregnated someone named London Roberts, a stripper in Arkansas. Uh, they have a four-year-old daughter named Navy. Um, The Biden family does not acknowledge this grandchild. So Joe Biden uh, does not acknowledge that he has this granddaughter. He's abandoned this granddaughter. It's one of the most repulsive things about Joe Biden, of the many repulsive things. Deadbeat granddad. And she's suing Hunter Biden for child support payments, which I I just don't see under what circumstances he would know them. I just don't understand it. So, uh, and allegedly, he's been hiding out at the White House while uh, his baby mom was trying to collect. Now, I don't know if that's true, but certainly it's pretty juicy. So, this is a lot of crimes out there, potentially. And who will look into them? I don't know. And all the more reason why it'd be nice to see Joe Biden not win in 2024. And as far as we know, now he's going to run for president. We learned this last week that uh, he's intending to announce. uh, I'm guessing it's going to be tomorrow. We'll learn a lot more today. Um, Again, it's Monday. Those of you listening live, if you're not listening live, that's when we're recording this. Uh, He announced on April 25th in 2020. I looked this up. It rang a bell, and so uh, tomorrow will be April 25th. So it seems like a good time to run, and we'll have a lot more if that happens, a good time to announce. Adds up for him. And he's going to be in a really strong position to win. The betting markets have him as by far the most likely person to win in 2024. But it clearly there's a lot of problems in this country, and I, I, I will, I will walk, them, I'll walk you through all of them when the time is right. But as far as we know, we, he's going to do it. He is slated to announce that at the age of 1,655,000, he will run to be president yet again. He's trailing Republicans on a generic ballot. But do any of you think that matters? So an NBC poll has Republican uh, people believe Republicans are going to win the White House. Um, 41% say they'll vote for Biden. 47% say they'll vote for Republican. Uh, Do you believe that is true? Especially considering the likelihood that the Republican is going to be Donald Trump and then next most likely Ron DeSantis. Um, given those two specific individuals you know could DeSantis run a appealing national campaign if he somehow beat Trump and we know that Trump engenders a lot of negativity from people so it'll be a lot of strong anti-Trump vote even though of course there will be a very strong pro-Trump vote because I don't believe these things I think these are these are uh, sucker plays and will lull people into uh, not paying attention and focusing on this election. I think the country's not going great. I guess Biden's going to lose, but I do not see that uh, these polls would be incredible. But we'll have to see. We'll have to see because it looks like that's the race we're going to get. We're going to get the Joe Biden race. Man, my... why is it scratchy stuff happen? Irritating. Okay, so uh, we'll get that this week. Uh, Donald Trump is campaigning well. Um, He's been surging in polls. He bought everyone pizza at a pizza parlor in Fort Myers after giving a speech. And the photo is just unbelievable. It's just retail politics like uh, just totally old school that he shows up in his suit and then he buys a normal working class type pizza. And he was at um, just getting boxes and boxes of pizza. just eating it straight out of the box. Pointing at the pizza, smiling, workers apparently at uh, the something called D Hop. Is that what it's called? Be fun to give a plug to this place. I just can't figure out exactly what it is. Um, I think it's called D Hop in Fort Myers. So, da- downtown House of Pizza is what it says on the box, and they gave him a forty-five minute heads up. Trump shows up, buys a million pizzas. and It's just charming. It's charming stuff. He has he a lot of annoying stuff. I get it. And he didn't do a lot of the policy stuff that we wanted him to do last time around. I'm very nervous that a lot of the establishment is going to come behind him in 2024. And that means they're going to ask for favors. And he's going to have to give them favors. But I have to say that, you know, that type of retail politics is um, it's rare. And he seems to really enjoy it, which is something I do love about the guy. It seems like he's not—he's not faking it. He, he doesn't look like he'd rather be somewhere else. He's getting the pizza for everyone. A lot of politicians are like that. They look like they'd rather be somewhere else. Um, so check that out. We have that for you. The front page, of Breitbart News. Trump said the old GOP of rhinos, neocons, and globalists is gone and is never coming back. Um. Yeah, rhinos, I think basically people who are too willing to compromise with Democrats on stuff even though they never give us an inch, neocons or warmongers, globalists who put America not first. Anti-America firsters, one-world government types. I hope he's right about this. I just hope that there's not just campaign rhetoric. That's all I got to say. But it sounds like he had a lot of good stuff to say. We have some uh, more coverage of Breitbart News. One of the most compelling developments in the race, though, which I'm very interested in, and is apropos today is Robert F Kennedy Jr. joining the race, and uh, what he's been saying so far. Uh, he's running as a Democrat, I will say, um, but he is um, he he is uh, running on a anti deep state, anti uniparty message which is very compelling if you've heard him speak he's a very talented speaker probably shouldn't surprise people clearly very bright person um he also is a conspiracy theorist and he puts out a lot of insane stuff particularly about vaccines but he also knows how to message on some things that are uh, to try to find common ground with normal people So if you hear him talk about vaccines in certain settings, then he'll stick to the mandates are bad when he's at that sort of audience. And he'll go much deeper and darker into the vaccines are a huge problem and everyone's getting sick from the vaccines. and The vaccines are worse than actual illnesses, et cetera, et cetera, if you give him enough time. But he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't feel like he needs to do that every time. He's got a lot of really other interesting other things that uh, he talks about and i think that he was on joel's show yesterday i've not had a chance to listen to it because i was a big work night but so uh those of you who have the app definitely check it out we'll have it for you in front page also but he was on brightport news sunday last night uh, which you can get on the sxm app and we'll have the audio at brightport news uh, but i think this is going to be a very interesting thing it definitely has the uh, a little bit of the vibe of the trump 2016 candidacy in terms of trying to get popular support clearly someone who's been thinking very deeply about a lot of complex issues and is going to bring solutions that are not going to be the same as everyone else so uh, he in his announcement speech he talked a lot about bureaucratic corruption crony capitalism um he talked about military-industrial complex talks about how big tech could be a problem when they're colluding with big government. He talks about the war on the middle and working classes that's going on policy-wise. So it's a mistake to look at the vaccine stuff and think that, oh, this is too nuts. This can't go mainstream. And think that's all he's about. No, that's what he's been known for lately. But you can tell, you don't have to hear him speak for very long to tell the smart person who thinks deeply about a lot of issues. So um, I'm interested in this big time. So he'll continue to get coverage for us at Breitbart until I see where he's going. I'm, just, I'm interested that he's in the, the Democrat Party lane because I feel like he could be a real spoiler in the Republican Party because of the anti-vaccine um, uh, enthusiasm on the right is so deep. And there's so many people who really have uh, taken what happened with COVID, which was sort of mediocre vaccines that were way oversold, and take that to mean that all vaccines are a problem. And we're going to be seeing huge levels of drops in vaccines around the world in terms of usage. Um, We're already seeing that. UNICEF put out a huge survey that Francis Martel covered. For us, at Breitbart News showing that vaccination rates all around the globe are dropping, and not just for COVID vaccines, for all vaccines, and it's not just places that always have large levels of of vaccine skepticism, areas like Africa, et cetera, et cetera. It's all around the world, and we know why. It's because the governments and the uh, bureaucratic bodies that control so much of our society and make so many recommendations and insist on so many things uh, they all said that this if you don't get jabbed then you can't come to work you can't go out and play um, we all need to stay home until you're up on your boosters and then it turned out that the vaccines may have helped some people a little bit and didn't help other people and that's that so uh, because of that i think the skepticism is going to endure and for a very long time it was a just a horrific mistake horrific mistake that happened and that it, the, the lockdowns turned out to be very bad. The mask mandates turned out to be a huge disgrace. Uh, I did have a funny moment. I went to a workout class. I won't mention what it is, but a national thing that you all have probably heard of um, with Mrs. Dr. Marlowe yesterday. And there were two masks that were worn in the class while we worked out intensely. And both of them were on the same person. And I just thought, how cool is that? And I felt like going up to him and saying, "Why aren't you wearing three? You could you could fit a third one on there. You could do it." Uh, people really like those masks, so uh, that'll be interesting to track that one. All right, the other one that I'm, I'm I don't want to dwell too much on it right now, but it, noteworthy how Trump is just racking up endorsements, even in Florida. So he's getting a lot more endorsements from. uh, Floridian congressman than Ron DeSantis is getting now Ron DeSantis hasn't declared but again this is a bad sign I think the fact that DeSantis is running acting like he's running he's clearly assembling a team the donors will give him all the money in the world that if he could run somehow beat Trump but because he hasn't run Trump is racking up all these endorsements and then there's stuff like uh, Greg Stubbe who pointed out that he couldn't get DeSantis' attention for five years Stubbe's been on the show a number of times Seems like a really good guy, congressman from Florida. Um, and he says I, I'd never talked to DeSantis for five years. Like he wouldn't return my calls. And then he fell off a ladder doing some work around his house and he was in the hospital, and he said the first call he got was Trump. So, I mean, that's the type of stuff where if you're a DeSantis fan, and many of you are, and I am in some ways, that you're not gonna win, you're not gonna beat Donald Trump unless you're nailing all that stuff. So it's just something to keep in mind, those of you who would like to move on from Trump, that um, I'm seeing no signs right now that uh, DeSantis has got those type of skills as a, as a campaigner. And he's trapped himself, and then his whole angle is that he's the one who governs. This is almost certainly how he's going to run. Is that I'm going to be the guy who governs, and Trump is a guy who talks big and doesn't govern. And uh, if he he could try that, but here's the problem. If he fails at all on the governing front, if he slips up at all, then Trump is just going to pounce on that stuff. The same way Trump has pounced on the fact that uh, Fort Lauderdale got inundated with rains, floods, and uh, it was not resolved quickly. There were gas lines weeks after. And, you know, Trump was truth bombing left and right about how badly it all went. So just just being real with you, being real with you. Um, all right, other stuff that's going on. Eric Adams, New York City is being destroyed by President Joe Biden's migrant crisis. Uh, it's amazing that he has said that it's being destroyed by illegal aliens. He doesn't blame Biden, of course. We been, we filled in the gaps for him, Breitbart News. But it's been a big puzzle for him because he's had all these people been bust in. And New York's got a lot of problems right now. Most expensive city in the world. And you can see the homelessness, the filth, the crime, all adding up. And then now there's a bunch of legal aliens for him to deal with, creating headaches. So there is a way to fix this. Close off the border. Make sure we know who's coming in and out of the country. Be a good start, right? Um tech, big big tech move on Friday. The blue check mark, the legacy blue check marks ended. Now, this is an interesting one, and one that's worth a lot more discussion than i'm going to dedicate to right now but i'm sure we will come back around to it um the the i will say that with these blue checks it was originally intended to mark famous people so that they don't get impersonated online that was that was what it was but the, they're also boosted in the algorithm because Twitter has long been a celebrity platform and they want to encourage the celebrities to come back as part of the business model. But we learned a long time ago, and Breitbart was the cutting edge of this originally when this stuff started to come out 2015, 2016-ish, 2017, that the blue check marks were also an anointed by the Silicon Valley globalist left who was running Twitter. And they were doled out to people they were picking and choosing. So they were picking and choosing winners It wasn't merely something that you could earn by uh, uh, being a famous person or used to distinguish you because you have impersonators, imposters, etc. It was about anointing certain people to thrive on the platform and others to not do it. And so Musk wants a better system than that, and reasonably so. But the problem is all chaos broke loose when he pulled the check marks. So now we have all these different government accounts that don't have a check who are uh, getting impersonated. Uh, you can't tell if you follow Twitter, if you follow certain government accounts, for example, to try to figure out, get alerts to what's going on in the world, maybe uh, emergencies, et cetera, that people can't tell because there's no check mark connoting that this is a serious account. This is a legit account. So, of course, there's a lot of impersonators popping up. And so for $8, though, you can get your blue check back, but anyone can buy a blue check. It's not just famous people. So he has had to give the blue check to certain celebrities who are often impersonated. And some of those celebrities are dead. So Chadwick Boseman, who was in Black Panther, Kobe Bryant, Anthony Bourdain, none of them are alive, but they all got the blue check back. So for me, as a journalist at Breitbart, uh, the blue checks are very helpful for us for when we're quote-tweeting people or we're quoting their tweets at Breitbart.com. If I know there's a blue check, there's a reasonably high certainty that whoever is is we're quoting really is them. So I can highlight to you the audience, you the readers. So now that is no longer something I can do. So I'm inevitably going to incorrectly quote people uh, just because we we don't know who really is who. So, But the celebrity whining was pretty unbelievable. Um, Stephen King, who is a a brilliant storyteller who's decided he wants to spend a huge part of his life tweeting inane left-wing ravings to ruin his brand online because he enjoys that, tweeted, I think Mr. Mush should give my blue check to charity. I recommend the Pretula Foundation, which provides life-saving services in Ukraine. It's only $8, so perhaps Mr. Musk could add a bit more. And so the smugness, sanctimony, so irritating. And Musk fires right back, I've donated $100 million to Ukraine. How much have you donated? So it, it's the, the how does Stephen King, a bright guy, walk into that sort of a trap? a brilliant tweet by Musk, totally brilliant. Ukraine, him suggesting Musk could donate eight bucks, saying I would donate 100 million. So, fascinating guy, that Musk. We saw the SpaceX rocket explode, um, but we were also told that anything that got off the launch pad would be somewhat of a success, even though it cost billions of dollars. Um, Tesla's sales are falling through the, the floor, and he's also announced that he wants to have a new, a, a new open AI project to compete with ChatGPT, etc., which I would love it if he did that. But so he gets himself involved in a lot of stupid drama, like with the blue checks. Not a great system that was in place, but uh, maybe worse now. Who knows if it's actually going to be a big improvement. Um. So, interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Other items to bring up before we go to... Uh, before we go to the phones, I, I'm told that I'm not supposed to bring up that with Dan Gaynor when he gets here that uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is accusing him of, uh, accusing Fox, not him, of uh, inciting violence. She's on MSNBC saying obvious stuff. I thought she was supposed to be different from that. I thought she was supposed to be like an original thinker and a leader. She says same stuff as every Democrat. She's on Jen Psaki's show. Is that an online show or a real show? Jen Psaki's show. NBC inside. Um, She says that uh, Fox is inciting violence. This is the left's play. The left's play is conservative speech is violence. Conservative speech is not free speech. So long as it's conservative speech because that's actual violence. If you want to incite violence, that could remain on the platform. Remain on Twitter. Remain elsewhere. But with. If you are conservative, and you say something and anyone misinterprets it at all. That 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 is violence. That, that is what the left tries to do every time. That is their new playbook, and that's what they're trying with Fox. Is that if Fox um, uh, th- said some stuff that wasn't true about Dominion voting systems, which they shouldn't have done, that means they actually really wanted you know people to um, go to the Capitol and storm the Capitol and try to kill Congressmen. Because there's no evidence that that's what happened anyway. But that is the narrative that the left continues to point out. I'm the vice president of marketing out at Bud Light amid transgender controversy. I'm very surprised by this. Alyssa Heinersfield, the woke millennial woman who apparently went uh, around the, the, the her higher-ups at uh, Anheuser-Busch InBev to put Dylan Mulvaney, a small man who impersonates a even smaller girl. Very odd individual who everyone is celebrating now. Because uh, he is transitioning to whatever it is. Um, and this this woke millennial woman, Alicia Heinersfield, is apparently behind the the can approach. It's not affected stock prices. Stock prices are uh, up over the last month, but it got a lot of negative controversy. I'm sure Bud Light sales are down, but part of it is not just that there's a trans person on the beer can, which. Is not good. It was not the end of the world. Uh, it's the way she messaged it, that she went out, and she said that the image had been too fratty, fratty like a fraternity. As I mentioned on this broadcast, the the problem with that is she's saying that it's not just that we want to bring in new uh, consumers, we want to bring in new drinkers. That the problem is with our current drinkers are not good. I mean, we don't like frat guys drinking it. So, you cis hetero straight white males, we don't want your business. We want the men who impersonate small girls. Like we really want that group and not you. It's not that we want both. So it's the it's the exact opposite of the Michael Jordan sneaker line that Republicans buy sneakers to. It's not that I don't want Democrats to buy my sneakers, I want everyone to buy my sneakers. Bud Light didn't just say, well, obviously we would love these trans people to buy our our Bud Lights. No, it's that we don't like the current people who buy our product. And keep that in mind. That's why I think that she probably got got blown out. Um, but she's on leave, so we'll see what happens. Um, fun one. Model Brie Teresi has quit the lingerie company Honey Burdette, which is popping up in a more mall, it feels like, because they have an ad featuring a non-binary man wearing women's underwear. Now... Uh, Honey Burdett I don't think has done any of the stuff where like they don't want normal straight women to wear their underwear uh, it's that they also want men to wear their women's underwear so it's very weird and I, I would understand why it would make people uncomfortable uh, not quite as bad as a Bud light stuff but uh, very compelling to see that someone who is a Instagram influencer and cutting ties with this lingerie brand over the stuff um. So uh, this is a uh, it it's it, it's an interesting moment because I don't know if we're making progress perhaps, but it is noteworthy that there are people who are feeling more vocalized, more energized, to at least slow down some of the obsession. Um, I'm way overdue for a break, but uh, I, I will mention that pop star Lizzo has crowned herself the beauty standard. So, a morbidly obese person and has now become a body icon and has crowned herself the standard of beauty. So, just to let you know that that's what's happening online. And I report to you all the most important news. <laughs> I don't know that my interview style is not combative, it's not a debate show. I just tend to try to let the guests say their piece, get the information out there. And they can convince you or not convince you that they are uh, have the right ideas. This is a compelling example of that with Rhonda McDaniel. I think she gives some decent answers here. But are they convincing to you? I want your thoughts. You can always email me, alexatbrightport.com, or call in to the live show, and we can chat about it. But this is an interesting one. The RNC chair, here she is. Rhonda. great to have you back on the broadcast.
1: Always good to be with you. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, my pleasure. A couple of things that I want to bring up, a couple of big ones and some uh, more minor ones. But Joe Biden is probably going to announce his reelection bid this week. Um, I'm guessing it's going to be tomorrow. I don't think we've got that locked in. But he announced April 25th in uh, 2020. So that makes sense. That, it, Or I guess it was 2019. Um, so the, um makes sense that he do that again. So I think we're going to see that. Where do the Republicans stand regardless of who the Republican nominee is against the Joe Biden can candidacy? And do you think that there's any chance that he's not the nominee uh, in the end?
1: I've been, you know, very bullish on him being the nominee. Not that I wanted to be the nominee But I, I just think the fact that they're playing with the primary calendar the fact that he moved South Carolina first uh, He very clearly has a grip on the Democrat Party that's great for us because most Americans, even most Democrats, don't want him to run. Uh, and especially as more and more revelations are coming about his about his family and their dealings with China um, and the poor state of our country. I mean, people are really struggling. So we're going to hold them accountable. We're launching a website. We're going to continue to push back on this administration, which the RNC is going to have to do while we have this competitive primary on our side.
0: Yeah, I bet big money – figuratively speaking uh that he was going to be the nominee i i think in general he's underestimated um by the right i think there's a a trend that people on the right act like that he's just some sort of a puppet and i think that that's Uh, not historically accurate, and I think that if you look at how much his agenda got through in the first couple years of his presidency, it's not accurate. Uh, But yet people insist on this. I think it's a very lazy talking point. Uh, Have you considered this, uh, that maybe perhaps he knows what he's doing more than people on the right tend to give him credit for?
1: Well, what I will say is people certainly don't like the jokes about him and any mental acuity. Many people have family members with issues. They they just that doesn't that doesn't ring true. And a lot of voters and focus groups that we've had in the past couple of years don't dislike him. They think he's kind of a nice guy. That's what they think. When that changed was Afghanistan, when they saw him looking at his watch as 13 fallen service members uh, came home. Um, When that changed is when they see the policy, when they look at the southern border. I do think talking about China is important when you see the payments that have come to his family and then you look at what China's doing to the United States of America with the fentanyl that they're pouring across our border that he's ignoring. When you look at TikTok, that they're faking that they're going to ban, of course they're not going to ban it, and the data collection they're doing on our kids and then you look at him stealing, uh, selling the Strategic Petroleum re- Reserves to China. This is the president that is putting China first. And I think the more that Americans see that and we connect the dots, the more we can take chinks in him. But we can't just do it with lazy attacks on something like him falling down the stairs. That's, that's not yeah. going to work. 100%. We have to actually attack him and his policies.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, I was my next question was going to be where do you see key vulnerabilities, but that was sort of uh, encapsulated in, in your response there. I just think that that's in, an interesting thing, and uh, I, I'm going to make it a personal mission to get through to people that that's that is not not the correct approach. If you're hoping he does not win next time, is just make fun of him for being uh, old and stupid. It just is not going to work. And uh, it's so so so. What is the approach? And here's where I always. Go with you. And I'm always curious where we're developing in terms of uh, how do you combat the Democrat machine that they built from the the what I refer to as cheat by mail or it's really just a manipulation of mail in ballots, uh, whether legal or illegal or in between. I think a lot of it's in between, but it's a they have such a huge advantage there. They've got the tech dominance where now they're not just dominating on the social media platforms and Google, but now I'm very concerned about the next AI era. It's just going to be the same thing on steroids. Uh, You're up against that. And then, of course, if you want to take a specific example, what we saw over the weekend, which is that the Biden campaign itself, namely Antony Blinken, who is now the secretary of state, reach out to the CIA, to reach out to the social media platforms, to censor the totally legitimate Hunter Biden laptop story. Uh, It it is, that is an overwhelming arsenal the left is bringing to defeat you, the Republicans, all of us. So how are we doing to try to fight back against some of that?
1: Well, honestly, Alex, we can't do it without money. And we just can't. And so, you know, people come and say, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? Well, the Democrats outspun us three to one. And right now, a lot of Republicans are licking their wounds, saying, oh, we didn't get as big of a margin in the House. Well, we won the House. But Democrats understand something that Republicans inherently don't. Democrats invest in process year-round, yes. 24-7. They're constantly doing it. Republicans wait until the candidates are chosen. You got to invest in the process. Voter registration, getting into these counties to make sure we're foia and figuring out where Zuckerbucks is going making sure that we're on an even playing field with the absentee voting and the mail-in voting and early voting. That takes infrastructure, and that takes process, and we have to invest in that. And this is something I'm trying to change with the donor class, small and large, that if we don't invest year-round, it's going to be critical. I'll give an example. This Wisconsin Supreme Court race that everybody's uh, up in arms about, which might change redistricting in Wisconsin, that candidate for the Republicans raised $2 million, the Democrat raised fourteen when you're outspent, you know, seven to one, that's a problem. You you can't expect the Republican Party to to always have that margin. And it's going to take all of us investing right now. So I say to everybody, um, text bank to 80810. We need to invest in process. I think states like Pennsylvania, where we don't have early vote, they only have vote by mail. And then um, election day voting, we've got to fill that gap. And that's going to take education right now. Um, Democrats are doing it all through outside groups. We don't have outside groups doing it. So the RNC is taking on the brunt of that. We're going to invest in process, but we're going to need money.
0: So where is the focus? Is the focus in, is it, do we call it ground game? Is it, is it early voting, mail voting? What are the new innovations that you think are necessary to keep up in the the modern era where you can vote three months before the election, nine days after?
1: I think it's two things. One, the RNC doesn't do TV. It's a big part of it. We also also don't do the messaging for the campaigns. The campaigns do that with their pollster and their consultants who often go nameless and blameless, and we never know who they are, and um, we never know who ran that bad ad. But um, what I will say is, for me, getting up early, getting mail out, paid mail, digital, contacting our voters early in the process, July, August making sure that we're banking votes before Election Day. We'll be launching a Banking the Vote initiative very soon. That's going to be critical. Getting boots on the ground to chase those ballots um, in in every single state, and especially in the key states, is going to be critical. So that's going to be the infrastructure. I think our minority outreach is critical. Doing digital voter registration, which we found a much cheaper way to do that, is critical. And then the lawsuits. We're in 58 lawsuits right now. We're fighting them right now in New York. They're going to try and redraw the map. Um, we're, we're, we are in co- combat right now in the courts with the Democrats right now.
0: Um, and that, that is definitely something where people need to be, need to have a lot of resources to fight that stuff.
1: Uh, I, I,
0: I guess the biggest question that is, I I think in this regard that you could ask is that the left is always making improvements and i always feel like the right is behind and that doesn't just fall in the rnc it falls on the whole movement but it does feel like that we need to start understanding that the name of the game isn't just nominating candidates and uh being enthusiastic it's actually physically getting the ballots in the ballot box so i i guess i bring up uh there's a poll i think it's nbc showing republicans in very strong position in a popular vote race so maybe like six percent margin for generic Republican against Joe Biden as Joe Biden enters the race is it something that really encourages you or are you like me in that it doesn't really matter that much what matters is the swing states and making sure people turn in their ballots
1: yeah I guess I I kind of disagree with the narrative a little and I don't mean to push back but I I mean in every battleground state in 2022 a Republican won statewide except Pennsylvania which has some inherent flaws because we aren't as good on the mail-in voting, and then we make up in the early voting in person, okay? And Pennsylvania doesn't have that portion. But, I mean, Nevada, we won three statewide. We did it through ballot harvesting and banking votes. At California, I mean, Duarte seat, we had 18,000. High propensity Republicans we knew hadn't voted during that early voting window. We targeted them, we ballot harvested, and he won by 500 votes. So I, I think there's a misnomer out there that we're not playing by the same role as they are. I think we are, we just need to have the funding and we should have been we could have been bigger in states like pennsylvania if we had more money in 2022 i absolutely think that's the case in every state they are definitely out raising us and outspending us um but that's that's not keeping me up at night the thing that kept me up at night coming out of 22 is we're losing with independence with some of our candidates independents are going to be the name of the game they're a higher proportion of the le- electorate they're 42 percent now and we have a migration issue in our party where Republicans are migrating into mm-hmm. Republican and red states. And we can't win electorally without a blue and a purple state. So those are going to be critical things heading into 2024.
0: I know your time short today, and I have to ask about uh, the plan for debates. Uh, is there a plan yeah. right now in place, particularly is the mainstream media going to be a part of any Republican primary debates?
1: So you, you've seen with the first one, we had Fox and uh, and Rumble, which is the first time the RNC has ever done that. We're going to live stream on Rumble, which is a conservative streaming platform on the RNC channel, and then Young America's Foundation. You're going to have a conservative element of every single debate, um, but the reality is uh, – you know, there's not enough conservative networks. We can't do all the debates on Fox. So that's that's an issue we're going to be facing and dealing with as we go forward. But there will be a conservative partner with every single debate.
0: That Sounds good. Ronald McDaniel, appreciate the time. Where should people go if they want to uh, support what you're doing?
1: Go to GOP.com. We need it. Everybody get involved now. Don't wait till Election Day. Don't wait till you get the candidates. Invest in the process, not just uh, the candidates like the Democrats do. That's how they win, investing in process.
0: All right. I appreciate it. And check back in soon, please. Thank you. I'm American made. Today's show. Thanks to Zach Jones and Bill Barnett who produce. Robert Marlowe helps me pick topics. And of course, thanks to all of you. See you tomorrow.